Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 213 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, if you've been with us this week, you know this is episode number three because it's a really big week around here. It is launch week for my brand new book, Didn't See It Coming. It's all about overcoming the seven greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. And in the book, We talk about everything from cynicism to burnout to emptiness to moral compromise, all those things that that honestly either cap your leadership and often take people out of leadership long before they're done leading. And we thought it would be great to sit down with a few leaders and just say, hey, what did you not see coming in life and leadership? And so Tuesday, Ann Voskamp interviewed me uh, yesterday on our last episode, I sat down backstage with Erwin McManus and he gave a just a it was a powerful conversation about just some things in his life, his childhood, you know, his leadership that he really he really didn't see coming and had to overcome. And so today I am sitting down with Levi and Jenny Lusco. A lot of you know them. They are the pastors of Fresh Life Church. Uh, they're in four states. They have 12 locations. Levi will be back later this fall in a separate episode. But I wanted to sit down with Levi and Jenny together because as some of you probably well know, six years ago, they had just, I don't know whether there is a worse tragedy you can imagine than losing a child, but they lost their daughter, their sweet little five-year-old Lenya, died of an asthma attack as a fellow asthmatic, as I told Levi and Jenny, I, I can relate to what that struggle can be like. I had it very badly when I was a kid. And uh, man, I'll tell you, I, I just, I mean, you don't even have words for a loss like that. Uh, but by the grace of God, uh, Levi and Jenny came through it and they have words, powerful words, strong words, and uh, words that are honest and real. And uh, I know probably everybody listening to this podcast probably knows somebody who has lost a child or somebody very, very close to them. And sadly, for some of you, the story is, is far too personal. I have some people very close to me who have lost children. And actually, it was, it was hard to get through this interview. Um, by the end, I, I was kind of sobbing. <laughs> uh, you won't hear that. That part happened off mic. And uh, Levi and Jenny were just really good. But it's a very emotional, very real, uh, very authentic interview. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, the stuff that I'm dealing with and didn't see it coming doesn't come close to what we're going to talk about in this episode, but that's what life and leadership are like, right? Like you, you just go through things and you're like, wow, I never, ever thought this would happen. And it happened. And whether that's the, the loss of a child, the loss of somebody close to you or something, you know, the stuff I cover in the book, the, the internal stuff, the internal battles that you're more cynical or, you know, you're just not who you thought you would be, or you're, you're just disconnected from the people you love. I mean, that's, that's really what life and leadership are about. And so I hope this week feels like hope to you. You know, at the end of the day, we're all in this together. <laughs> we are all navigating similar issues and they may be different. Uh, you know, some stories are more tragic than, than others for sure, have that component to them. But at the end of the day, the leaders that you admire, the leaders that you respect, the leaders that you think, wow, how, how do they do it? 
uh, they're just like you. They got to they gotta figure stuff out day in and day out. And so I'm really grateful to Levi and Jenny Lusco for sitting down with me for the better part of 40 minutes just to, to sort of process what's been happening in their life. If you want more about the book, you can find everything at didn'tseeitcomingbook.com. But in the meantime, let me take you straight into the conversation with pastors Levi and Jenny Lusco from Fresh Life Church. Well, it's a real thrill to have Levi and Jenny Lusco here together today. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. What a joy. We've discovered that one of the uh, common things we have in, in common is, if you can say that, is barbecue. You love to barbecue, right? I found that out. I'm learning the skills. I would say I, eat it. I'm, a, I'm an apprentice <laughs> and you're a Jedi. So we have to come up along the way. Well, we're working on it, but uh, yeah, it is one of the, you married well then. If Jenny loves to eat barbecue, my wife, who's like extremely healthy, just loves barbecue. And I'm like, yes, that was, that is a gift from the Lord. It really is. Two nights ago, we had on our barbecue grill, lake trout from Flathead Lake that we caught that day. And we had moose steaks that our dentist shot personally on a hunt. Uh, and so we made moose fajitas and had lake trout for dinner. So that was our, our barbecue the other day. I don't think it gets any better than that, does it? I know. It's moose true. fajitas is a whole nother level of great. And to know, <laughs> to know that your dentist can shoot a moose is like, that must be really comforting as well. I don't, I don't know. It, it's comforting, a little disturbing. Oh. He actually told us he oh, took God. a bite out of the liver uh, raw in the field says it's fine as long as you don't, you know, let blood run into it first. We were like, okay, sir, you are a savage. <laughs> wow. He's our kid's dentist. Clear. That's. Yeah. He <laughs> said, because I said, do you like rare, do you like your meat rare? And he said, yeah, you could say that. I've been known to take a bite from the liver in the field. I was like, that dances with wolves kind of level stuff, my friend. <laughs> Oh, wow. God. I don't even know what to say. So, you know, what we're talking about this week for uh, book launch week in, in my little world, and we'll be talking about your book in a few months here, uh, Levi, but we're talking about things we didn't see coming. And I bet you never, ever thought you'd have a dentist who eats uh, raw liver for And let pleasure. me just say to all the vegetarians listening today, we are sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are so many things in life and leadership, and you guys are right in the middle of it right now. You have a growing family, you have growing locations, growing campuses. There's just so many things that you you never thought you'd be here. And Pastor Levi, like when in an episode that will air later, we filmed it earlier. You know, you talked about like Montana. Who would have ever guessed you would end up in Montana? But here you are, a few years later, with a growing, thriving ministry in multiple states. What are some of the things that you just thought, wow, I, I just never expected that? I don't think we expected much of any of this. I, I mean, we just <laughs> we just wanted to serve the Lord right. and wanted to tell people about Jesus because he changed both of our lives. And we look around almost every day at our lives like, what is this life? Like, what in the world? I, I, we, we're just such believers in the fact that when you follow Jesus, you don't have to follow your dreams because he'll make your dreams follow you. Mm. And, Ooh. you know... I think there's so many young people today that have such an angst over full bucket lists, you know, and their expectations over what their life should look like because of unrealistic expectations based on Instagram, et cetera. And we're seeing our dreams come to pass, but not by following them. We've just been trying to follow Jesus and we're watching him do things better than we could have ever planned. Right. It's like, yeah, maybe we had dreams of one day planning a church somewhere, but 
the way God has unfolded things has just been, like you said, like way more than what we could have even dreamt up ourselves. And so it is a beautiful thing when you're following Jesus and following uh, his will and just loving the day to day. You look back and you see his faithfulness and you see, wow, you've brought me so far that I could never have taken myself if I was chasing my own dreams. Yes. You know, that I love, I love how you started that because sometimes the things you don't see coming are the good things as well as the bad things, right? Like that, that wow, how do, how, do, how do we get here and how is this even our life? Uh, one of the things, and, and I'm, I'm grateful you're willing to talk about it, I think a lot of people know about your story, is uh, you had one of the deepest tragedies I think anybody can imagine, and certainly parents can imagine, in that a few years ago you lost your five-year-old daughter, Lenya. Um, uh, to an asthma attack. I'm also an asthmatic, so I, I can relate to that. And it's a miracle. You know, my parents thought they had lost me numerous times. And uh, the worst possible thing that could happen for a parent, I think, happened. And you guys have talked very publicly about it, written a book about it through the eyes of a lion. Um, can you tell us, just for people who may not be familiar with with that part of your story, just a little bit about what happened. And then I would love to talk to you about how you got through that. Well, we were, it was Christmas time. So it was uh, five days before Christmas, December 20th, 2012. And we were getting ready. I mean, in our, in our home, getting ready for Christmas is, it's, it's a big deal because we're, we lead a church. So we're getting uh, church services ready and we're, we have a, a family at that point. We had four daughters and we were doing Christmas wrapping, Christmas gift wrapping and, and just kind of that normal stuff. But that day, Levi had been studying all day for his Christmas message. And so uh, that night we were wrapping presents, just kind of a, a normal a normal night. We had just had a date night, which is kind of in our rhythm of life. Thursday nights is our date night. And I had dropped my, all the kids off at my mom's house. And, um, it's interesting because we pulled up after wrapping gifts, we pulled up to my mom's house and Levi mentioned, he looked over to me, he mentioned, I've never, I've never felt so relaxed as I do right now. Like he, he said that. And, um, we, I walked into my mom's house and found our, our daughter, Lenya. My mom was trying to give her, her asthma medicine. And, um, and Lenya looked at me and then she just fell back on the counter and, um, and lost consciousness. And so at that moment, uh, Levi ran in and he started, um, CPR and we were praying and we were just like, we, it was so shocking and so out of nowhere. And we, I didn't even understand what was happening. And all this, and Lenny's lying on the counter and we're crying out and, um, Levi's doing mouth to mouth. And then all of a sudden, like the paramedics come and she's not responding and she's lying on a stretcher and just, I mean, you just, and just even flashing back, it's like all these pictures of like, I'm holding our youngest baby at that point, who was Clover um, as a one-year-old and trying to comfort our other daughters. And then Levi's going into an ambulance with Lenya and she's five and it's the, the cold uh, of winter. And, uh, and all of a sudden we're in a hospital room in the waiting room and the doctor comes up to us and says, we're sorry, but there's nothing more we could do. And it was just 
we couldn't believe what we were hearing. We couldn't believe what we were experiencing. It was so shocking. And we never, ever, ever saw that coming. And literally from going from an amazing date night where we're getting ready for Christmas, the happiest time of the year, and we're enjoying each other and uh, getting ready to, to celebrate our kids. The next day, we had a fun family day planned where we were going to do our um, ice skating. And Levi was going to take Lenya out to, so she could go Christmas shopping for her sisters because she had saved up money so she could go. Like, we had our plan. We had Christmas was coming. The day after Christmas, we were going to Disneyland as part of our kids' Um, Christmas present and we did not see it coming and it just rocked our lives. I remember um, when I heard you teach on this, you, you said, you know, the day that you were supposed to be flying to Orlando, you were at the funeral home. And I just, I can't imagine. I mean, as you're sharing this, I'm fighting back tears. There is nothing, I think, more frightening, more devastating to a parent than the loss of a child. And I have not been through it, um, but I have had more than enough friends who have, and it's just, it's just tragic. I mean, and what were those first, (laughs) what was that first week like? Like, I'm sure looking back on it, do you ever feel like it's like, how did that ever happen? Or like, what, what were the emotions you were processing? Because you're also people of faith, right? Like, we believe that God can heal. We believe that God can, can change things. And this happens. Like, what, what were you going through in that season? When we look back at photos from that week, it's hard to believe how we survived it, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at ourselves. You can, you can just see, like, our eyes are gaunt. And, mm. you know, we're just... Uh, we, we, we couldn't eat. There were several days we couldn't keep food down. You know, it just, as a parent, um, having a child, I think Dr. Meg Meeker is the one who said, having a child is like having your heart outside of your body, walking around in clothes, falling down and scuffing its knees, mm. going to school, the first day of school. So that's already so scary. Having a kid, like you're always like, you know, and that's why parents make the mistakes of, wrapping their kids up in, in knee pads and, and helmets to, you know, to get an ice cream cone because we just care <laughs> yeah. so much. It's, it's, it's a mistake, but it's a mistake born of a good intention. Mm. And so when you have a child go to heaven, it's like having an arm amputated because you still feel everything. They say if, you, mm. if your arm gets cut off tomorrow, you'll have phantom pain. You'll, you'll feel pain in a hand that's not there anymore. And when your kid's gone, all those same instincts are still firing. Protect my child, take care of my child. Who's with my child? I mean, we want a criminal background check our babysitters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. so where I was at was, it wasn't like, is, is my daughter okay? I know she's okay. I know she's in heaven. But my thing is like, I want to know who's watching her. I need <laughs> references. You know what I mean? Like, right. who's watching her in heaven? What's that like? Where's the logistics? Just wandering around. Is she getting dinner? I mean, she's five. <laughs> I assume Abraham and Esther's there. But is she with Ruth till four? And then Esther till 8 p.m.? Like, that's where I'm thinking. And so we were, we were like every nerve in our bodies firing off messages to take care of our daughter. We have no ability to act on those things anymore because now that's in God's hands. Mm -hmm. What gave us great peace was her dedication. God gave, God took away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And I tell parents, don't you dare miss out on the opportunity to dedicate your child to the Lord at birth because should God forbid something happen to them, you'll be able to look back on that and say, well, she was never ours. 
She was mm-hmm. always God's. Mm-hmm. So what we said was, hey, look, we didn't think it was going to be so brief, but we were faithful to honor God with her as long as she was in our home, but she was never ours. So we couldn't, and I think that helps with your heart on like being mad, because if God chose to take her home through death, which is not his plan, but he chose to overcome it, to use it to do his good, which is what we believe about it. Well, God was always the one who owned her. We were just the stewards. And so now she's back with God. So as we look back on it, it was savage. I mean, I won't lie to you at all, Carrie. It was very hard. It was very dark moments, very low lows. However, throughout it all, there's the theme of miraculous supernatural power. So, you know, things like getting up to, I preached that serv- that Christmas service two days later. I, you know, I had written a message that day and I felt like part of the way to honor her was to preach that sermon. So getting up in front of our church and preaching, et cetera, et cetera. I eventually took a month off and we, we traveled some and just healed and sought out counsel and all that. But that first initial time, it was just like adrenaline, fear, faith, pain, and power all mixed up. How did you preach 36, 48 hours later? I, I would say um, instinct and muscle memory, probably, yeah. and, and God's power. I mean, but honestly, we felt like, I, I, Jenny said this, I had spent the day writing a message. And so it felt right. If Jesus did come into this world to save sinners, if Jesus did come to defeat death, what better way to celebrate and like almost like laugh in the face of the enemy than to preach a message that I still believed even in the darkest day of our lives. Because that was ultimately what, when push came to shove, everyone likes to think we believe, but you find out what you believe when you really are hurting. So when we, what we found was even on the bottom, we believe these things. And so it's one thing to declare God's good when life is good, but when life's bad, we still declare he's good. I think that's the, the great vindication of our faith. Right. And I think also like we, like Levi mentioned, it was instinct. It was like muscle memory. Like our, our normal was coming to the house of God, like regardless of what was happening in our life. That's, I mean, yes, we're leaders and pastors, but it's who we are. And, um, and so to have that, like we were consistently coming to God's house. It was like, why would we, why would we not when the bottom drops out? And if, and also, I mean, one thing that we like, we like to share too, is that our hearts were we're prepared as much as we weren't prepared for this. We were in a sense, because as we even were, our hearts were in heaven, like what the Bible says, your, your, your heart is where your treasure is. So even as we were giving of our time, of our, uh, of our money, of, of who we are to, to Jesus, to the kingdom, it was like we were sending treasure for Lenya to see when she got there. So it was, mm-hmm. it's almost like God is preparing our hearts in a way but, um, but honestly, one of the things that, um, helped us, helped me so much was the fact that we still had three little ones. I mean, our oldest, Olivia was seven, Daisy was two and a half and Clover was almost one. And I would, I would like to say it, it would, I would have still gotten up in the morning, but I feel like I probably would have just stayed in bed if I didn't have little ones I needed to get up and take care of. And so yeah. I feel like having... Yeah little ones where it just forced me, I need to feed Clover. I need to uh, hold Livy. I need to take care of Daisy. Um, it forced us to, we just had to keep going. We had to get up. We had to keep loving. We had to keep giving where maybe our natural instinct would be to, to 
curl in and, and shut people out and just be focusing inward, we had to keep focusing outward. And some of the things that we were teaching our kids about in those moments, telling Livy, Lenny is not as far as it seems because if Jesus is truly in our hearts and Lenny is with Jesus, there's a nearness. And so we would act it out where, where we'd be on, on the corner of a wall and Levi would be on the other side and we would be on this side and we wouldn't be able to see him. But then we would have Olivia kind of be on the corner holding Levi's hand and holding my hand. And we'd be, we'd be saying, because of Jesus, Jesus is holding Lenny's hand. Jesus is holding our hand. He's in our hearts. He's with us. There's such a nearness. And even though we can't see her, we're near. And even though we can't see Jesus, he's near. And so these little things that were helping us explain, I mean, we hadn't, we didn't, we didn't know a lot. We knew what the Bible said, but even coming days, Levi would be just studying the word about what it means, like in between here and heaven, like, what does this even mean? But the things that we were trying to teach our kids was actually really teaching us. And, and one of the things of even reading a kid's Bible, like in the, in those moments, even now, still, as we're reading our kid's Bible to our kids, like God is using, using just those simple truths uh, to, to totally minister to us and remind us that just it's just the simple faith in Jesus Christ and holding on tightly. And um, and so I would even say in those things, <laughs> kids' Bibles are so helpful, honestly, uh, when you're just at, at the bottom. When, if you just open up a kid's Bible, it just brings it the simplicity. I catch Jenny reading the kid's Bible by herself. <laughs> I mean, honestly. And didn't Jesus say, you know, of such for the kingdom of heaven. And you got to be like a child. I think that childlike faith, I believe in Jesus, like that's enough to sustain you more so than the nuances of the Hebrew language and some finer points of theology. It's just the simple, it, I mean, Jesus is a life preserver. Yes. You're hanging on to him so you don't drown. At the yes. end of the day, that's the deal. There's, there's a tension, I think, with every grieving family between grieving and really understanding what happened and moving forward, right? Because some people get stuck in their pain and right. they never really get out of it. And then other people just seem to blow past it, but they don't really process it. And it comes back years later. How did you navigate that journey between really accepting, processing what had happened and yet moving on to a life that still had, you know, I think for you guys, there's, there's sadness, but there's been some great moments of joy you wrote a book, you preached, you've helped countless people through this, and you are alive even without her. How did that is not always the story. Can you can you walk us through how you navigated yeah. that? Well, I appreciate your kindness. I mean, it's definitely as uh, I think you can see the, you see the good moments on the internet. You know, you see the great moments. Uh, you know, when a book comes out. I try to always be honest that we're in process. We're not some bright, shining examples of people who have nailed it. We have bad days. We have low yeah. days. We have hard days. Okay. And, and we've, what we've tried to do is the end of my book, Through Eyes of the Lion, talks about running toward the roar. And that's a concept mm -hmm. from big game hunting in Africa because of how lions hunt. And we read this book, um, Death in the Long Grass. Mm -hmm. And it's all about how lions, you know, hunt and leopards hunt, et cetera. And one of the, one of the standout moments was this idea of lions um, roaring to chase prey towards ambush where the lionesses will hide in the grass and basically the wildebeest run away from the sound of the roar 
not knowing that's actually not the danger because it's not the men, it's the women that do the hunting. Like in real life, it's the women that do all the work. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> and so it is in our church. Um, so anyhow, this, this gazelle or wildebeest running away from its scare, it's what it's scared of towards death. And what we realized was whatever we're afraid of, if we run from it, we're only going to be continually being chased by our fears. Because if you confront it, Though it will be scary like crazy for a moment, you at least don't have to live a life of fear because anything you face no longer can sneak up on you. So we made the decision even down to that night. You know, uh, Jenny, when we got in the car after the ER night, the evening in the ER, she told me, you need to go back in there and you forgot to invite those people to church. She said that to me. You forgot to invite those people to church. Linya would want you to. And I'm just like, this is where you're at. We are a world apart. I am no, I'm nowhere near spiritually thinking about the souls of the ER staff, but that's where she was at. And so she pushed me in there. So I was like, I can't go back in there. But again, running toward the roar, whatever I felt least like doing, that was kind of what we did. Mm-hmm. Go in there and invited those people and uh, the respiratory therapist and uh, one of the um, two of the paramedics ended up coming based on the invitations and, and, and responding, making faith decisions at Christmas. Um, that was powerful. The, you know, the story of, um, the Linda's eyes that, that caused there to be a book through the yeah. eyes of a lion. We ended up making the decision to donate her corneas for uh-huh. organ transplant that night. And we prayerfully made that decision together and two blind people received sight. You know, it would have been much easier to say, no, you're not cutting into our daughter's body. Forget that. But we made the decision to run toward the roar and do what we least felt like doing. And, um, and on and on it goes. I mean, when, when the hospital a week later sent a bag of all of her clothes that she had been wearing that night, they sent, uh, her death certificate in the mail, all those things. You just feel like, no, I don't want to open this. I don't want to touch this. We just chose, I'm going to embrace it. We're going to smell it. We're going to cry over it. And then we're going to, you know, some of those were cut up by the paramedic scissors. We couldn't keep them anyway. All, All of her clothes. I think one of the booby traps of mourning is, turning your house into a living shrine where it's like, don't go in that bedroom. That was Linda's bedroom. She last slept in that bed. We don't touch, you know, the clothes are hanging in the closet. It's almost as though you're waiting for them to come home still. And I think all that does is it it delays the grieving process and keeps you from healing. So we just said, look, Linda's not coming home. She's not going to ride her bicycle. She's not going to wear these clothes again. We'll go to her. She won't come to us. So we're going to cry over her clothes, smell them one last time, smell her own, but then wash them and wait for their sister to grow into them. And we'll celebrate when we see her sister wearing them. And then eventually, as hard as it is, we're going to give them away to our our friends who just had a baby. And we'll just celebrate that that shirt's going to get worn again and not have a closet full of booby traps. Which is hard. And I will say as the mom, that is a really hard thing to do because even, even now I'm still going through boxes of things that... I, on, I honestly still have a box of things that I have a hard time getting rid of because they're special. But we don't have a closet full of them. Right. And it's it, actually just the other night. So we had a baby boy since Lenny went to heaven. His name's mm-hmm. Lennox. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a sweetheart and Lenny would love him. Yeah, he's he's um, named after her. So his initials are the same as hers. Yeah. L-A-L. Lennox Alexander mm-hmm. Lesko. But um, anyways, the, where his crib is, is where Lenya's bed was when she went to heaven. Her bed was right there. So on the other side of that wall is our bedroom. And Lenya was a wild and wonderfully crazy child 
Um, but at night she would kick the wall <laughs> and their night Lennox was being crazy and he was kicking the wall and I'm lying there in bed and I'm just crying. I'm just like, what, what a special, crazy, I mean, weird thing. Obviously I'm probably the only one that would hear it, but, um, but just those, those little, those little things that you, you just embrace and then you keep walking and you embrace and you keep walking and, um, and God's faithfulness in, in those little things. That's powerful. I, I, I was just trying to say that I think the decision to face some of that down is, is, is responsible in part for the healing. Totally. I agree. Because, yeah. you know, you have to deal with it eventually Yeah. and it's going to come out now or it's going to come out in the alcohol addiction or it's going to come out in the, the marriage blowing up or it's going to come out in the, the gambling or whatever you need to get you through it. Right. So I think it's hard as an, I tell, I, we, we talk to a lot of grieving parents, you know, we're a magnet for them now because of our story. Um, and we always tell them, you know, as hard as it is, when you do what you least feel like doing, you force that confrontation now on your terms as opposed to it sneaking up on you down the road. Right. And when you do that, it may kill you. And I always say that. It may kill you It may because it will feel like it's going to kill you. Right. And it may kill you. But if it doesn't, at least you don't have to live a life in fear. Oh, uh, it's very emotional <laughs> to, to, to hear you talk about that. Without, without being too personal, and if it's an appropriate question, just let me know. Uh, but there's a lot of people struggling with grief who maybe are not moving on. What does a bad day look like for you now? And how do you mm -hmm. move through it? Yeah, well, I feel like um, bad days in regard to Lenya being, not being with us anymore. Yeah. I feel like those, sometimes it just overtakes me. We have personally. a long list of ways we have bad days, Gary. You'll have to be careful. Oh yeah. There, it's not restricted to losing a child. It's like, uh, it's called Thursday, right? Thursday's a bad day. Whole new book about the other ways we have bad days. We're local yes. church people. Yes. yes. Um, but I guess specifically with Lenya, like I, I recall a day where we were traveling, like, and after she went to heaven, we, we kind of went after it like more than we ever had. We are, we are a traveling family. Uh, we, we love Levi will speak at churches. I sometimes do. We, we bring our family with us because we love getting to, to travel and do life and ministry with our kids. And so as much as possible, we travel together as a family. And so in the days after Lenny went to heaven, we were kind of just like saying yes to whoever said, come speak to our come speak at our conference, our church. Like we were just like, whatever we can do to make the devil pay, to bring the gospel to more people, to use the pain that God's allowed in our lives for his glory, we would say yes to. So we were just like traveling all the time. I remember this specific day mm -hmm. where we were in California and for the most part for Levi and I, um, like for the most part, our our grief was very in sync. There were some days where he was like doing great and I was doing worse. And we, we just made the decision to kind of let grace just kind of let us flow. Yep. And if we weren't where the other one was, we were just there. Yep. Um, but this, on this particular day, we were not on the same page. We did not like being on this. Uh, we were just not liking each other. And I remember just walking away from the car down a neighborhood in our friend's neighborhood and just like yelling at him. And then I was just like crying out to God and yelling and it was not pretty. And I even admitting it now, I was like, yeah, it was not a good moment, but it was a bad moment. It yeah. was a bad time. But I think knowing that we can feel the things that we're feeling, that we can 
know that, okay, this is how I'm feeling. I'm angry at sin. I'm angry that Lenny is not here with us. I'm angry at my husband. I'm just angry. And walking in that, I met, I was walking around the block. And by the time I came back, I just felt like God had just allowed me to breathe in and breathe out and be, okay, God, I hate this so, so much, but you are good, but you have a plan in this, but Levi and I are not enemies in this. We are on the same team. And so I feel like just, um, just acknowledging that it's not going to be easy and it's going to be hard. But like Levi was saying, like walking in it and through it is really the only way you cannot, you cannot avoid it. You cannot try to walk around it or over or under it. You have to walk through it. And I think when, as you're walking through it, God will show you his love. He will show you his strength. He will give you everything you need. It's, I mean, it's as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And I think it's just remembering that you're not alone and God is with you and he loves you and he sees you and he created you and he knows exactly what you're going through more than anyone else, more than your husband, more than your wife, more than your mentor, more than your counselor. God knows everything. And so he just wants us to run to him. Why in the, why in the worst part of our lives would we run to anything, anyone else than to the God who created us? to the God who loves us and to the God who has a purpose and a plan in the pain for us. Yeah. I, I, I would echo that with my bad days. Didn't look like Jenny's bad days. Like she mentioned, there were rhythms to it. Yeah. And we found it was that my bad days were usually where I wasn't giving her the space to have her sort of bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm ENTJ, commander, forward thinking, you know, strategic execution and vision. Uh, so I'm, I do pretty good at keeping morale up in my heart. So as far as like, we're going to be fine, we're going to make it through this. But what, what that led, to, I would say the, the days I'm least proud of were the days where I wasn't gentle to allow her to be the space where she, where she was at yeah. and wanting to rush yeah. her through to get to where I was at. And so what that inevitably led to was conflict and her, her, her being hurt and her being sad. And so I think the more we've recognized that we're different and the way we hurt's different, the way we need our needs are different. Um, and then giving each other the grace and the, the, the room to, to get to where we each are at. And, uh, you know, we've, we've sought pastors out, like I mentioned, a lot of them. Um, and we have some amazing ministry friends who we've been very transparent to, as far as the vulnerabilities, the anger, the sadness, we've been able to get that off our chest. But then we've also, in, in even in the last year, uh, sought some professional help to be able to get some counseling together. And that's been very helpful to unload some of the things Jenny mentioned, you know, the, the first year, the aggressive preaching. And I think part of that was just, yes, we wanted to make the devil pay, but part of it was just the no, no, like, I'm going to stay busy, mm. you know, and, and some of that debatably healthy. And so We've just had a, we, I feel like we're at a good spot now mm-hmm. within our local church community and yeah. the, the team we have, the healthy spot we're at, our marriage and, and, and all that. So it's, but it's definitely a journey. And I always tell people, you know, it, when you're right up in it, it's hard to believe you'll ever feel good again. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe you'll ever sing again. It's hard to believe you will ever dance again, mm-hmm. but just keep moving forward and don't let the immensity of the journey keep you from taking the crucial next step. Yes. So good. 
I, uh, I'm so grateful for how you've helped just so many people by being so honest and so transparent. Um, I, I, I have helped a lot of, or tried to help uh, a number of people through the loss of a child, uh, but haven't gone through it. And I know that that is a real difference. So as we wind down, for those of us who haven't gone through it, as you think back on your last five years, what are, what are some things that friends did that were so helpful? And then what would you counsel the rest of us to go, please just don't, please don't say that. Please don't do that. I would, I would just love to know what really helped and honestly, what hurt. That's a great, that's a really great question. Um, because you don't know it until you're in it. And, um, I will say that the people who were in, who were in our lives, they were, they were amazing because we're there and God just brought so many people. I, I honestly felt spoiled because I mean, we were getting letters and we were um, getting calls like left and right um, from people all across the world, really. Um, but I just want to say the people who, who walk people through difficulty are amazing. And I just want to say for any of you who have walked through someone or walked with someone through pain and through grief, or you are right now, God has given you such a place for such a time as this to be strong for someone who's weak and to be um, God's love in a place where maybe they just feel dry. And so um, keep doing it. But honestly, the people who were just there, I mean, we had um, two couples who came over that night and they were just there with us. They didn't, they honestly didn't say anything. They just hugged us. They wept with us. They just said, we're so sorry. Um, we love Lenya. We love Lenya. We, um, and honestly, they didn't, they didn't even pray for us. And that sounds, that might sound shocking, but honestly, the people who were just there, I knew that they were praying for us, but I, I didn't, honestly didn't want anyone to pray yeah. like right there with us. Like someone coming up behind someone and putting their hand on, let me pray for you right now. That, that unless they ask for it, I, I don't know that that necessarily is really helpful. Mm-hmm. I think when, when presence is there and you can sense in their spirit they're praying or they write that in a note, um, in the moment, I think when someone is ready for that, they'll ask for that. Mm-hmm. I think it can be challenging when someone's trying to drop verses on you. Uh, the worst would be when someone's like, I don't, you know, I, I find it off-putting when people try and tell me, I had a vision of your daughter and she was wearing a purple dress. You know what I'm like? I just would always find that really off-putting. Um, and maybe it's true. Maybe it really happened. But, you know, that I, I don't, I, I never, I don't, as I look back, find great comfort in those words from the Lord in that way. But the steady kindness and uh, the, the, the even consistent. Just, yeah, even just the, the practical, like showing, uh, like giving a meal. Like one, one family just gave us a blanket, a box of tissues and a note saying, we love you. We're praying for you. God, God is what's the, whatever it was, but it was like just those practical things of like, okay, I can snuggle my family in a blanket and we need these tissues. And yeah. that is one thing that is actually funny because we never knew that when you are grieving that all of your clothes, when you wash them are going to have little bits of tissue. tissue on them because you forget to take the tissue out of your pockets. Yeah. Um, and then there's just, for everywhere your tissues in every pocket of every pair of pants you wear yes. for, for weeks but but yeah i think that's just a huge huge thing of just feeling the moment and just your presence um not rushing in with words necessarily but if 
if the moment presents itself, like having having a verse to text or like that, those are one of the powerful yeah, things. Yeah, text message text verses messages. in the night. Holly Furtick would send Jenny text messages in the mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. for a long time, mm-hmm. and it would always come at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. And that those those little things when you need them, they're there, and you go to them. And and when you're when you're willing and ready to to read people, I think empathy is such an underrated value in leadership. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, crucial to every every part of it. But when when you can just read someone and know what the right word is, what the right response is, that that's a game changer. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been um, so rich and so helpful. Um, you do have the book in the eyes of a lion and, uh, we, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And then if people want to connect with you guys, uh, what's a good website or a place where they can find you online? Uh, probably easiest would just be freshlife.church or levilusk.com. What's your website? I don't have one anymore. Jenny doesn't well, have it's one there, anymore. but it's, it's very lonely. Place. It, does it have a, does it have a, <laughs> Gift of a construction worker doing construction. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or four. Maybe it says four hundred four or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you both so much. We really, I really appreciate this, and I know you've helped a lot of people. And just thanks for uh, being willing to talk about this with so many leaders. Um, thank you. Thank appreciate you, Gary. Thank you so much, Gary. We uh, that 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 was just. I don't know. It's just powerful. I mean, we've heard it before where people have said, you know, that God will use your deepest pain for his greatest purpose. But I've, I've seen that happen in Levi and Jenny's life. And the book is actually called Through the Eyes of a Lion. You will want to pick that up, um, probably a copy for yourself and maybe one for a friend who's going through a difficult time. Levi's actually preached a series through that. Uh, you can check out his website. He did one at Life Church. He's done the, the message in different places. So um, yeah, I would just encourage you uh, to uh, really dive a little bit deeper if that's a, a, an issue that you've gone through or you're walking with somebody who's gone through that, as I have done, unfortunately, too many times in the last few years. Um, but thank you again, Levi and Jenny. We do have show notes for this episode. You go to carrynewhoff.com slash episode 213. And um, hey, as far as what's coming up next, uh, next week is, is a little more of a normal week on the podcast, uh, but not really because we're bringing you three episodes as well. Uh, I'm interviewing Nancy Duarte on Tuesday. And uh, well, why don't we bring you a little excerpt from that? Just a, just a different part of the interview. You know, what? like, you know that aspen trees are a network. A whole hillside of aspen trees is one tree and their roots are networked. Could that be a better metaphor for what you're trying to convey than going straight to glowy balls on Google images? You know, you think about what is the nature of this network? What are attributes of it? Is it a secure network? Is it a cybersecurity network? That has a different nature and flavor to it. You just got to brainstorm away from the computer for a bit to say, if I'm talking about human flourishing, what does that mean? And are there metaphors and analogies I could use that would make it conveyed in a way that nobody had else considered to weigh that the people in the audience feel like I almost can taste honey in my mouth because what you said and how you said it meant so much to me. How do we do that? And that's in the pictures that come out of our mouth and the pictures we show on the scene, on the screen and how we construct things creates a level of beauty. And, And to be like, to be the spoken word experts when I, from my, from where I've come from is, is such an honor and everyone listening is also a spoken word expert or needs to become that because it's how we craft and what we say 
that if this is a leadership podcast, the people listening to this can change more lives than most podcasts, right? And it's a lot about how we communicate. Nancy is one of the top communication experts in the world and consults with the majority of the top Fortune 500 companies of virtually every top tech company in Silicon Valley, consults her on how to put their presentations together, their slide decks together, how to write speeches, and she is sharing that with us next week on the podcast. Also got a couple of bonus episodes. I'm doing a Q&A with some people who are on my launch team for Didn't See It Coming. And uh, we're actually going to bring you part of the audiobook for free. Yeah. How about that? I know many of you are audiobook fans, so you can look forward to that. And by the way, Didn't See It Coming is available in audiobook, Kindle, and also hardcover. And uh, I would love you to head on over right now and check out Didn't See It Coming. So you can see that at Didn't See It Coming book. Com. The links are in the show notes as well. Uh, we, have, we have some fun things on the book's landing page as well. So head on over to didn'tseeitcomingbook.com where you can pick up uh, all the links to wherever you want to buy your book, uh, audiobook or, or whatever you happen to be interested in. And the book is all about overcoming the challenges that all of us seem to experience and nobody expects things like cynicism. I mean, who set out at 18 or 20 years old to be cynical, burned out and jaded? by the time they're 35? Answer, nobody. But it happens all the time. Good news is you can see it coming. And I just hope this is a resource that will keep you and the people you care about fresh and alive and celebrating and actually getting better year after year rather than more discouraged, more defeated, more disconnected, uh, a little more proud, a little more empty, because that's where it's going to go unless you get on top of this stuff. And I know for myself, you know, my 30s were sort of that decade where all that stuff kind of happened. And uh, my man, my 40s were so much better. And early into my 50s, I, I've never felt better in my life. So thanks for making this a great launch week. Hey, if you have picked up the book and read it, uh, would, you, would you leave a review? It really, really makes a difference on Amazon and just share the word with people around you. Thank you so much, everybody. Really appreciate you. Absolutely love you podcast listeners. Thanks for making this an unbelievable journey. I hope we added a little extra value to your week this week with these episodes. We're back next week. We'll do it all over again. And once again, didn't see it coming book.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.